Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Good evening. Hello, folks, and welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the, the show for web enthusiasts, PHP newbies, uh, anyone interested in anything web, really. Um, I already know what you're thinking. Where are those uh, golden northern tones of our usual host? <laughs> this he, uh, he's sadly absent. We'll probably get on to the whys and wherefores in a bit, but sadly, uh, Michael Budd isn't with us this evening. And, uh, and I'll tell you what else. No, I'd phrase a heart either. Hey! But I will, <laughs> but I will tell you pod. who is here. Half a pod. My good friend, fellow podcast, well, co-host this evening, I guess. It is. Ed, Ed the player man. Hi, Ed. Play- I haven't heard that in a while. Thank you, sir. I'm very good, mate. Yeah, we are the ones who are dedicated to the game, you know? We're, we're the only ones here this evening. I'll tell you yeah. what, I, that little intro then, I think I rehearsed it like 15 minutes ago and it went so much better then. Oh, no, you sounded but, good. You sounded good. Who needs Bud? Only joking, Bud. Um, yeah, I'm really good, thanks, man. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Been busy, busy. Yeah, it's been, it seems like but, a long time since we last spoke. But just just like you, Ed, you know, I always make sure that I make time for these podcasts. But you know, absolutely. Well, you know what? You know, you have to put in the time and the effort, you know, to get the results. Exactly. Some of us, you know, think we can just skip to the end. <laughs> I, d- I, I think it's pretty fair. You know, poor, Mike's the only one here that's been oh, here every no, week, so it's absolutely. only fair that he gets a week yeah, off. And the poor guy is so busy, isn't he? That's he's got- it. He's so round with work because he's got the combination of not only real work, but then also uni work and stuff, and I'm sure baby stuff to deal with. So, <laughs> chuck, yeah. a, chuck a pregnant wife on top of that. And, uh... <laughs> he's kind of he's got everything, hasn't he? Really, and yeah, I mean, surprising that he's still been able to do this for so many weeks. But yeah. yeah. Having said that, Mike, that's still no excuse. I'm absolutely. very, very. Uh... We would, we would make the time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was skiing last week, so, you know, that's fair enough. You well, know, you know, you're like James Bond, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, can exactly. you, this is the thing with skiing. So you can actually ski? Because I'm so jealous. I really wish I could ski. Oh, uh, well, I've been a few times. I get I get better kind of every time I go. I, I, I'm certainly no... Um, yeah, I can't think of I anything. Thinking, I was thinking, can you anyway, example, The Tiger Woods of skiing is... Ty- oh, Tiger Woods of skiing. The LeBron um, James of skiing. Zabrigan was that one years ago <laughs> I when I used to watch Ski Sunday. That's the name that always oh, stood out. Ski Sunday, God, Ski, God do you remember then. that? Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day, what a show that was. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you enjoy yeah. the Olympics? Because um, obviously the skiing was on that. So did you try and practice any of the moves? No, I the only if to be honest, the only thing I saw to do with the Olympics at all. Um, oh, I did. I did watch um, our local girl was uh, Lizzie Arnold. I watched that. I watched that online. Um, but the only other thing that I saw to do with the whole thing was the Gay Mountain advert that Channel 4 did. Did you see that? No, what was that? <laughs> I'll put it in the in the show notes. It's uh, it's it's not for words to explain. It's for the eyes to see. It's very, oh, really? very funny. Oh, and uh, just imagine um, what Vladimir Putin's response may be when uh, when he saw it. Ah, that's, that's right. all I'm going to say. Without, oh, without, definitely put that in the show notes then. Yeah, without going down any dangerous roads. I can't. Yeah, but anyway, so that's that's my. I, I'll be honest; I've got no idea where Fraser is. Uh, is Fraser's, Fraser's still again? doing his yeah, his floristry. Well, I think he's actually really doing his. He's doing like all the teeth. He has to learn so much stuff before he can get on the boat and actually do all the stuff next. Because I suppose it's this year, actually. Wow, it he's, is. It's, oh, oh, he's he's preparing for his big row, is he? Yeah, he's, he's like learning how to like navigate and stuff. Though to be honest with you, I'm like, if you haven't got GPS, well. You can have GPS, and if you don't have GPS, you're screwed anyway. So. I was going to say, isn't that what Columbus did? Or didn't do, actually. 
Oh dear. But yeah, so he's he's off doing that. You know, Mickey's off doing work and me and you just sitting here chatting. So it's, well, a, hard we'll see how it goes. it's a hard life. I guess we should point out at this stage, this show does come with a disclaimer. We uh, yeah, we, yeah, kind yeah. Of had a, we had a, a kind of a loose format for talking about frameworks this week when uh, we thought we might have a bit more of a, you know, more people will hear. But as you know, it's just me and Ed. We thought this week that maybe we'd just uh, hit the record button, start yabbering and just see where it goes. That is it. And I suppose the thing is, it's like, um, yeah, we don't have to really explicitly say it, but implicitly say, you know, as it's only us two, I'm sure it will end up some tangents where Mick, that's the beautiful thing with Mickey hosting. He normally is able to get it and guide it back on target. So we'll be, the, be interesting to see. He's the glue. He's I'm, the glue. I'm the opposite of glue. I'm, I'm the white spirit of, uh, <laughs> spirit. of podcast hosting. Now you're the Cronenberg, <laughs> sir. Oh, that's yeah, that sounds good. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. So anyway, Ed, how's uh, Christ? We haven't spoken. I wasn't here last week, so I missed the show, which I thought was great. You guys did a good oh, one last thank week, you. especially the quiz. <laughs> oh, the quiz! The quiz. Well, we had a brilliant email from that, which I'm sure we'll get into a little later on. But yeah. yeah, I thought I'd read that out in a minute. But I just, I just want to formally say that you definitely deserve that point back that you adopt. Thank you. Oh, I was you actually mean, yeah, listening, one... and I shouted at my screen. Thank you. Well, that is very kind of you. That is very kind. Yeah, I did feel like I was cheated. You know. Yeah, I think the the odds were stacked to my favour. The game was rigged. Um, I don't think Michael Budd likes me. I think that's the real real crux of it. You know, so did, we, uh, we can get a movement going. Tweet? You know, the uh, the uh, Ed mind deduct minus put. No, that makes no sense. But the Ed movement, the Ed yeah. movement, hashtag Ed movement, the Ed mo- the Ed re- the Ed revolution, Ed revolution. I like that. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, how how has your week been? What have you been up to since uh, uh, since I last spoke to you? Whenever that was. Wow, it does seem like it's been pretty good actually. Yeah, man, I've been carrying on with the freelance stuff. Um, not really much going on there other than just you know plodding along, coding each day. Um, but I suppose the interesting thing actually at the moment is is um, I've been able to play with a Raspberry my Raspberry Pi. I um I had I bought one a couple of years ago, but it's one of those things where you start playing with it a little bit and you're like, oh, that's fancy, you know, maybe install a lamp stack on it, and then you're just like, well. What else am I going to do with it? Because I've got a full, you know, full size spec computer here. What do I need with it? But yeah, it's like I start. I mean, have you ever played with a Raspberry Pi? I, I I've eaten one, but I can honestly say <laughs> I've never. Um, no, actually, I've. But where we used to work before, I remember our boss bringing one in one day, and yes, I didn't he wanna... went he went Raspberry Pi crazy, where he literally bought like a ten of them or something and tried yeah. to make a cluster out of them. So yeah, that was a. But I didn't want to seem really uncool by saying to him like. Um, Okay, what's that? Is, that, is that? is this some kind of new light for the office or something before I realised what it was? <laughs> well, it is a bit, I mean, it does look a bit, doesn't it? It's so, like, underwhelming, really, thinking that that is actually a computer. It's, you know, it's just a computer and a chip, really. And it's got yeah. everything you need, and it's got enough power. I mean, the, the thing that sold me with it at the moment is the fact that you can do HDMI 1080p out, so you can do full HD out of it. And I don't know, I, I don't think I've spoken on the podcast, actually. It's, um, last couple of weeks, I've been setting up a media centre. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so I've got um, a, a old, like, net-top box. It must be, like, um, 09 or something. You know, it's, it's a quad core, so it's not too bad. Four gig of RAM and stuff. And I hooked up my Drobo to it. And a Drobo, I'm not sure if it's a Drobo. Not a Drobo? No. So a Drobo no, is like a RAID, which is essentially, it's just like, the idea is you have redundancy. So you have your hard drive space, but if one of the hard drives dies, you have a rack of hard drives. So I've got four hard drives in my Drobo. And you can put them in, and you say, if one of these hard drives fails, it will automatically be able to solve itself out. So it's got a redundancy on each layer. So if, oh, right. if that dies, you, if one hard drive dies out of it, you're okay. And you can just slot in another drive, and then boom, you're back, you know, back up to full health. And yeah, so I've got a four terabyte, like, Drobo, uh, redundant, and then I've also got my 
my nettop box and I installed uh, well my good friend Paul Bowden I think don't know if he's listening to this but he uh, convinced me when I went around his house a couple of weeks ago that Xbox Media Center which is again a little bit misleading because it's not only for the Xbox anymore so the Xbox original was basically just a full power well a full PC that was just made into a game console that was how lazy Microsoft were about that <laughs> um, and they and and these people were able to hack it and make an Xbox Media Center out of it and it's essentially just like the XP Windows XP Media Center like any of these media centers but it's very good awesome and uh yes yeah, so i've got that set up to my to my uh computer well my, my uh, tv and stuff and being able to put all my content on and everything and it's been pretty pretty gravy actually yeah quite interesting and and then actually going on to the royalty pie is the fact that so it's all stored and it's playing in my room but in the living room we currently don't it, it would be nice to be able to stream it because you can actually stream like you can use dhcp which is just like this pretty much over network be able to stream the content and stuff and I'm accumulating quite a lot of content throughout the year, so like music and stuff and movies and TV shows, all legally, of course, you know, for iTunes. And, um, <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, well, let's see if, you know, the Xbox Media Center, because there's a version called RaspBMC or something that this 19-year-old kid made. I say a kid, but, you know, this guy made, and it's quite amazing. And it's just, yeah, you whip it, you, you make a SD card with it on, install that, and then you've got Xbox Media Center on a Raspberry Pi, and it streams it fine. So we've got this little little box in the uh, living room being able to stream, you know, my music and TV shows and everything, and it's pretty pretty sweet. So let's take this back to basics then with this Raspberry Pi, okay? Because yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty much none the wiser on... Uh, on how it actually works. So what do you what do you actually do with it then? Do you plug it into your existing computer or Ah, so essentially how? essentially all it is, literally it is just a computer on a chip. So it has yeah. a two couple of USB ports, it has a HDMI out, it has a S video uh, no phono out, you know, so video out, so you can just do your normal video out. And essentially what you do is plug in a USB, I think it's micro USB, that powers it on all the actual storage and stuff that you actually installed the operating system on is in an SD card. Ah, and it's essentially okay. just in this, it's essentially just this, yeah, it is just a computer on a chip and it, and they're so cheap. The fact that I think it's like $25 or something. Cause I got mine for like 30 quid and it's amazing that they can sell these things. And actually one of those things was there's a, there's a program that they, they release with it because some people, cause it's made for like, um, hobbyists and enthusiasts and really for kids. <laughs> That's why, obviously, the funny thing with this was it was made for education for kids, <laughs> and the first people to buy it were all the geeks. So there wasn't enough for all the students and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that's why I don't have one. You see, <laughs> I'm, I'm... <laughs> uh, I yeah, exactly. You would be nice, you know. You're like, no, the kids need these. Um, but I yeah. need to see one in action. I think. Well, I, I, what I'd do is I'd have to send like a picture or something, you know, showing you what it looks like and stuff. And and it's, just, it's so cool though because they made like this little installer called it's called Noobs, but it's like. Um, all it is is essentially just a Raspberry installer bootloader that allows you then to say, oh, which operating system you want to install? And because yeah. it's open source, a load of people have installed made operating systems for it and stuff. And, yeah, you can go through that instead of having to do a DD copy and do all this funky stuff to get it actually onto the Raspberry Pi. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's quite amazing that, you know, I mean, that's more powerful than the year, well, than the computer we had probably in the mid-1990s. And you're getting yeah. it for, like, 30 quid. I feel like I'm like majorly behind the times here. You know, all I'm I'm using a I've got a, a Windows PC upstairs, fairly old one. I've got a MacBook uh, laptop, uh, a MacBook Pro laptop, and an iPod. And that's kind of that's 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 pretty much what I spend most of my days well, on. I'm usually on you one know, of those. Your MacBook, three. you know, that makes you cool though. So I won't worry about it, mate. You know, the, the MacBook is. If you just said Windows PC, then we may have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be when we're looking at you. Like, oh dear. Yeah, yeah, I talk gibberish quite a lot of the time. Quite often, uh, not actually hearing what my brain's saying. It just, I just end up saying it anyway. So, uh, so yeah. 
So, cool. Well, it sounds like a busy week. How's your project going? Yeah, not too bad, actually. Yeah, I've had a lot with message queues this week. A lot of message queues and playing around and reconfiguring Sphinx, which has been quite interesting. Okay, yeah. Uh, a message. I don't know if you know what message queues are. I, this is something that I think Laravel's been focusing on a lot. Yeah, it? that's actually good, stuff. Yeah, it's pretty good time, actually, because essentially all it is, the idea that, you know, like an email, you know, when you, when you send a request, you know, like say someone signs up, you don't, what we normally do is inside that request that they actually send, we also automatically send the email. But what happens if a lot of people are requesting sending email at the same time? Then, you know, it's going to bottle, there's going to be a bottleneck on the server. So what you do instead is you say, okay, make a message and add it to this message queue. And in the background, these emails would get sent off, you know, saying successfully signed up and welcoming and stuff. And yeah. the user would get an immediate response back. So it's kind of splitting it off and everything. You do a lot of, and, and it kind of, it's quite nice because it abstracts away a lot of the problems that you may get with like, oh, okay, you know, I have to worry about, you know, checking that this has been sent and stuff. It does all that stuff, you know, so if it failed to send, it will add it back onto the queue. So it's quite cool. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. It's any anything to kind of speed the server up. Absolutely, Definitely. yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, how's your project going? It's going all right, actually. It's uh, it's gone through the first phase. And my um, my boss went and met with the with the client last week while I was on holiday, which uh, which was unfortunate. I would have loved to have gone up there. It would have been the uh, it would have been great to actually demonstrate this thing I've been working on. Yeah, for the show past. it off, wouldn't you? Yeah, was, was Two, it good? Three was, it, was it good? Uh, good good feedback though. Yeah, very good feedback. Um, oh, they, good. they liked it. So I've just been given a couple more things to um, to build onto it, which I've kind of kind of there now. But one of the things that I that my boss asked me to build for it was like a media library. Oh wow, that's you know like what a I mean. Work. Yeah. Well, it's quite it's a, a thing that uh, WordPress. Use. Hey, WordPress. But it is it is a useful feature. But it's basically um, an easy access to every, everything you've ever kind of uploaded through your websites, whether it's PDFs or images or anything like that. So. So you can just scroll through those and then like reuse them again wherever you want, or rather than having to look all the way through your computer, you can just. I've just kind of built this nice uh, pop-up window that appears where it just shows thumbnails of all the images and uh, and the PDFs and stuff, and they can just literally tick on that and a couple of features there to get a bit more information about the file if you want it, or you can just select it straight in and then uh, hit update for the form to update the the media. So. That's it's good. Cool. It needs it needs a bit of sort of organisation within it, like um, into folders and stuff like that. So it's a bit easier to navigate. I haven't quite got to that yet, but no. I mean, other than that, yeah, it's quite nice. So how is um, it using your framework? I suppose that's the real question. Yeah, the framework's been good. Well, that's the other thing that I've I've been doing this week. I've, I've had um, a predicament which we could discuss a little bit on here actually, and then we'll look at it properly afterwards yeah, <laughs> if that's, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm now now I've kind of finished with most of the stuff that I need to do. I mean, we're still awaiting content for the site, so a website's always tricky when you haven't, you that know, is, you need because to... you're using your own fake, your Laurie and Lipson text and stuff, which isn't the real content. And yeah, I have got pictures if... of Ian Botham and Donald Duck all over it at the moment. <laughs> Those are my go-to. <laughs> Those are your go-to mates. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any like anything um, like that's that? That's what I normally do. Well, actually, no. That one thing actually is interesting. I, I tell you, what I do now. I used to just get a random picture of, online of cheese, which is obviously yeah. a, a very good one. But now I use. Um, it was an idea that we had when we were uh, some one of the developers we did when we worked together and stuff. And he used uh, like these images of like just images of like numbers. So he had like one, two, three, four, five, six, and stuff. But yeah. it's very good for ordering and stuff, you know, testing ordering and uploads and stuff, because you could then check to make sure that when, you know, oh, obviously I uploaded this one first, so it should be above, you know, et cetera. So that was quite a cool way. So that's what I do at the moment. I've just got like this, like pretty much just, I think it's like 20 just different images of like actual numbers that I upload and then been able to use that 
to reference and stuff. That sounds cool. I should uh, I should come back to uh, the cheese comment. You know, this is this is a phenomenon that both Ed and Mike introduced me to in uh, <laughs> in our previous job. I think and, I sadly uh, brought it up. Uh, was the one to bring it in as well, which is uh, kind of embarrassing. It, it I, I, I fully behind this. I, I think the cheese Echo is the, cheese. It's the cheese, ultimate debug cheese. word, isn't it? It seems to be, and it, yeah, and I don't know why. I just, I, yeah. Unless, unless you're on like I don't know, edam.com. If you, if you're echoing <laughs> cheese and you want to find out where you're, there's a, there's a 99.9% chance that it's not going to say cheese anywhere you know else in your code. I should really have just said that. That's very clever way. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I looked at every piece of text that I was using from years and years. You know, people's sites, and I found out that cheese was a very unique word that never got hit. So I decided, yeah, that would be the word to search for and stuff when I get responses back. I tried beans once, didn't didn't work, didn't have the same effect. <laughs> cheese so and beans. I'm, uh, I'm and staying beans. with cheese. Cheese is awesome. Cheese is the way to go, sir. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's yeah. So yeah. Now I'm on. To, now I've finished with um, with that stuff. I'm I'm kind of onto a bit now where I'm going back over some of the old code, trying to do a bit of refactoring. And isn't that the best slash annoyingest slash hardest job ever? Where you're like it, trying to work out what you did. It is when you get when you get a certain amount down the road with it. And then you think, oh, Christ, you know, I've, uh, now, now that's there and now that's there. Right now I've got to figure out where I need to change this and this. And and this is where I where I think I must have been doing something right along the way because I'm not having to change a lot of code, to, you know, to change the whole website. So so that's cool. That definitely but, shows design decisions at the beginning were definitely well laid out. Okay, yeah, so now uh, I guess pretty good time to actually do the tweets of the week, which uh-huh. surprisingly I actually have some tweets of the week uh, and they're actually from this week, unlike the other ones, which seem to be years ago. And um, the the one big one this week, actually, that I found was from a Christoph H. I can't remember what the H is, but anyway, mysterious. And it's called Virt PHP. And essentially, it's the virtual manager, environment manager, similar to Virtual M for Python. So, yeah, talking about Python again, guys. But the idea about it is, essentially, is to be able to separate different environments in your in your actual on one computer and that say like oh this project you know i want to have this environment and it has these pair repositories it has this version of php with these extensions it uses these composer packages which in a sense we already have but you can have like global packages and stuff and you're able to activate that environment in a command line in the actual terminal and they'll be able to use that and, and it, it kind of as you say it, it, it isolates it but without having to go through all the problems and all of the hassle of installing a virtual machine or any of that stuff. So it doesn't have all that bottleneck. It's still actually using the same machine and the actual your primary machine and your primary operating system. But it's using the idea that the way it works is quite clever in that it activates this script that then says, oh, by the way, if you actually run PHP, I really want you to run this version of PHP. And it's using this, what Christoph actually, I think the reason why he actually tweeted it was because it's using his php environment and php build scripts which he actually is able then to say okay i want you to build this version of php and store it locally for this user to use so it's not system-wide php system-wide php but it's only for this version per person can use this version of php yeah and it's very cool it's very cool and it's a it's a github repository virtual php and it's very similar to virtual environment in python and um, i can definitely see myself using it for small projects and stuff which just require me to say oh it'd be really good if i could test this in you know maybe Py- uh, php 5.3 and i just want to quickly whip up in it have a py- version of py- uh, python 5.3 and then you know maybe install this pair repository uh, pair extension you know pair you know, plug-in extension and also these actual Perlk extensions, which are the, the actual uh, extensions for the PHP itself. 
Awesome. Yeah, I say stick that in the uh, in the old show notes. And uh, I mean, I haven't used Python a massive amount myself, but um, uh, it, well, the thing, the reason why you need it in Python in the Python world is because unlike Composer, because um, Composer, the nice thing about Composer is when you um, you know this because when you're installing stuff in Composer, uh, it actually installs it in the vendor in directory inside your actual project you're in at that time, doesn't it? Mm. Yes. Which is great. It seems like, oh, I'm wasting all this space. And you can also do it globally, but you have that specific to be able to say this is this project. And the great thing about doing that, of course, is then I know what version of you know this library I'm using, it works for this project. In the world of, of Python and in the PIP, which is their like equivalent of Composer and also Easy Install, they don't have the idea of being able to install it locally. They install it globally all the time. So if you update, like an example is there's a HTML scraper called uh, Beautiful Soup. And if you update that, it's a great name, yeah. If you update that, if you update that though, you're updating it for every per, uh, every project that's on that system, which is fine, you know, locally and stuff, maybe you're using virtual machines. But if you've got a, you know, a server that you're sharing, you know, maybe this project needs this version, needs version two of it, while this one needs three. Um, especially if you're running around with different versions of Python as well. Uh, it's then great to be able to say virtual environment, activate, I'm in this fire environment for this project, and it will then use, and it will actually work around the fact that, okay, there are global stuff, but really I'm going to be using my local versions instead, which is quite cool. So it's quite nice to bring it into the PHP world and just see if it sticks and if people start using it a lot. And Yeah, yeah I'll be interested to have a look at it's that. Just, it's just nice that PHP has, you know, shiny new things that we can play with. You have to wonder where uh, where the name Beautiful Soup came from. Beautiful Soup. Well, yeah, it's all these people. Well, we're developers, aren't we? Do, do you mean, know what I think it is? Go I, th- on. I think it's the same situation. Literally, when I was driving home tonight, I was thinking, right, I need to come up with a name for like my framework. You know, to like, where well, no, what's it called? You know, I need to give it a cool name. And I was literally like, thinking, can't think of soup, anything. Soup I was looking out the car window. I was like, mm, leaf tree <laughs> uh, fence. Fence, Matt, that could work. So I reckon that whoever named that was looking at beautiful soup. And he was just thinking, yeah, maybe it's a really, you know, ill day. The person's ill, and he's like, oh, this soup's so beautiful. There you go. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you're a fan of the band called Bowling for Soup. I've not, no, I've not heard much of their stuff actually. Oh, well, it's great stuff. But anyway, they were literally they named themselves. I think they had like three hats, and they just picked. You know, they had like a certain word. You know, and then they literally just picked out of the hat these three words. And that's, I might do that. I might. That's that's a brilliant. Yeah, one, I think know, it needs to be something random. Doesn't it has to be it? something. I mean, bonus for soup. What a name! What a name! Beautiful soup. You know, Laravel Code Igniter. Fuel, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Give me, give me two numbers. Two numbers right now. Yeah, yeah go go for oh, it. Oh right, I, uh, how how big between? What was the range? Uh, I don't know. One and twenty. Okay, I would like number five, please, and number fifteen. Number five and number fifteen. Right, I'm just going to grab the first book that I grab hold of. Oh, here we go, on the podcast, live. Fifty Shades of Grey, when did she get... Oh, no, hang on. Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. No, I ain't joking. Um... We missed your jokes last week, we did. Yeah. All right, Ed, I've got a piece of paper in front of me. Give me a number between one and ten. One and ten, right. I want number three and number eight. Let's distribute that a little bit, yeah. Number three and eight, please, sir. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> four, no, four new. That doesn't work, does it? It was a good idea at the time, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great. We were recording it and everything. Yeah, oh, anything. I, I actually, I reckon we could maybe talk a little bit about Composer. Just uh, a very, very brief Yeah, bit. well, actually, I suppose it's a good, actually, thing. It was a bit of a random one. and It's, it's linked mean, to the command line, I suppose, actually. It's the, yeah, Composer's a, a dependency manager, really. I mean, in the world of Ruby and Node, I mean, Ruby's got Ruby gems. Uh, Node's got um, NPM, which is their Node package manager. Python's got PIP. And then 
uh, was it Perl's got CPAN and and we had Pear, the PHP extension application repository, which was awful, if we're going to be honest with you. It didn't work very well. This just before my time, I think, this, wasn't it? You're luckily you didn't have to deal with this. And, and it stopped people from, in a sense, what a dependency manager does is it takes away the pain of having to, what we still do in the web game a little bit is just copy source code from one project to another. You know, a library. It's like, oh, I've got this library. I'll just copy that to it. You know, it puts a version on it using Git and stuff like this where it allows you to say, I want this version of this library and it will download it for you. But in a sense, it's great for like when you're doing it, actually, you know, you're uploading it to a Git repository or version controls that you just have to upload in the case of Composer, the composer.json file, which then has this definition in it, which then someone else can just literally go composer.install and boom, all they get is the actual, the exact environment that you as a developer wanted it to be when you were developing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, something which which we could elaborate on was what we mean by dependency management. Yeah, so or depend- dependencies. Yeah, so depend- yeah, so dependencies are just the libraries that you use. You know, like yeah. I suppose Laravel was a dependency. Uh, Swift Mailer. You know, if I want Mail, is a dependency. PHP, I suppose you could even call it a dependency, really. But I suppose it's because of the language we've got that already. But yeah, it's, it's these libraries that you use that you depend on. In quotes, you know, not that's not your own code. That's from another. Uh, and nowadays, it's very much this potential. Do not repeat yourself. And also, it's the idea of um, oh, what is it? Rewriting your own stuff. You know, you just keep rewriting. Oh, what is it? Re- reinventing the wheel. Sorry. So, you know, it's very beaten into us not to reinvent the wheel. Um, though obviously we had a discussion about that a couple of weeks ago, frameworks and stuff, where it turns out to be quite a good idea in that case, you know, especially for learning. But um, yeah. in the case of like, you know, production code, it's some, it's good to know, right, this this library is heavily, you know, developed, it's heavily, work, you know, been worked on, it's heavily tested. And, you know, there's a lot of documentation online for it. I'm just going to depend on this library to do this functionality for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've probably been the biggest one saying again, you know, like I try not to use libraries wherever possible. Um, but whenever I do, whenever I do use libraries, I do tend to go through Composer because it is the the easiest way to get hold of those libraries. All you literally need to do, as Ed says, is uh, is you go onto packages.org, and that's where uh, that's where all the repositories are listed. And there's a nice simple search thing. And uh, one one library that I that I do use, and I'll probably forever use um, when I, well, I use a similar uh, jQuery plugin occasionally. Is the is well, there's quite a few out there for Google Maps, but it's such a, a nightmare API to work with. <laughs> you love that API, don't you? I did. <laughs> there's probably JavaScript developers out there going, "What's the problem? It's fine." But um, I mean, I I find it nice and easy. I mean, that is one library that I do use, and and. The other beauty of it is obviously once it's once it goes into your vendor directory, all you literally have to include is a vendor autoload file, and then those libraries are available to that's you it. wherever you are. Yeah, that's so it. And also you can so that's it because with the old SPL autoload and stuff, which is the the way that we get around the fact that we used to just do includes and requires all the time, and it's the idea that you know that if you up, if you say oh this is where to you'll find these dependencies like very similar to like Java and stuff where you can say, oh, I want this class. It will look in here and say, oh, is there a class that meets this name? If so, require it automatically, um, which is better than what we used to do. And also in the Laravel, not Laravel, sorry, the Cognite world, which is you have to load everything. You have to preemptively load stuff, which can be bad, you know, because it's obviously a bottleneck, you know, of having to load all this stuff beforehand, if yeah. even if you're not going to use it. Um, packages, that's the thing, because packages all got it spot on, and, and they did copy really Ruby, uh, Ruby Gems and NPM, but for the right reasons, because they were just very good, you know, uh, very good repositories for what they are. And I mean, it's interesting because there was, uh, in Code Igniter World, there was something called Sparks. 
get sparks. I remember you made a, a you made a little library for that one. Yeah, well, I made I made a couple that I uploaded to that, and it was as, in a sense it was what you know a dependency manager specifically for Laravel, and also uh, not Laravel, sorry, Coding Nighter, because there was also one before in uh, before version four, which then heavily emphasised using Composer. Was it this was, is Laravel packages? Uh, Laravel bundles, yeah. So bundles, they had sorry, that's it. so they had the bundles, and this is it. They all have their own names, but now we all use Composer, you know, and the idea then is you'll stick to the PSR standards and you work around this using the auto loading and stuff etc and the the nice thing about using the composer as well is it supplies you with the framework of understanding how to auto load files because not only can you auto load their own libraries you can also auto load uh, files that you want you can auto load uh, so you can just do simple includes inside of the json file saying also include this which is what i do uh, quite a bit in my blog and then also auto load your own classes and stuff that you want inside you know say i also load this directory and it will automatically do it for you and it's quite nice to see the code and be able to work out oh that's how spl works because again because it's been added on after the years of php um you know we haven't got it like let python and stuff built in uh, as standard this whole auto loading thing well, actually, yeah. Python doesn't really have it, but it has a good import system. But, uh, you know, like Java and stuff has this idea of being able to import stuff, you know, working around it and stuff. So, yeah, it's good to see how they get that done. And, yeah, Composer is the way to go. But, yeah, not Pair, I've, Composer. I've got two, two – well, I've got one point, another good point about it to make first, and then I've got a little question to ask you about it. Um, it. Just a slight – probably the only negative – well, not it's not even necessarily negative. It's just something that, that I've encountered that makes me a bit sceptical – but you you may be able to answer it and uh, and obviously cross that. But first first of all, um, the good thing with packages is anytime you search for a library, you can see how many people have used it. And the thing I've seen one with like forty nine thousand downloads. So you know you can you can use <laughs> you can that, as sure a good that reassurance. That, yeah, yeah that's to, something you know, and they've got a comment system and stuff, and they're all really just GitHub repository. So you can go on there and see what the issues are like and stuff, and what people are you know talking about the library, etc. Well, that's another good thing. I mean, if you if you're a developer that uses Gitmore, I mean, all the links are there anyway, so you can find. It's probably easier to find GitHub repositories through packages. That's than, exactly what I do, Matt. To get yeah. the reassurance that you know, because again, the amount of GitHub repos people put you know each day it's very hard to find the good stuff you know the gold amongst the craft and that's not really a saying but it's a saying, <laughs> it's a saying now the gold among a gold amongst the craft is my saying what, what, of the day what would the, what would the craft be <laughs> the, the, the wrong the silly billies so the, the silly gold billies. among the silly billies so, uh, <laughs> so uh, silly billies yeah, absolutely and you know so packages kind of gives you that way of being like oh what are other people using and great they're using this they seem to be using it fine and it meets my needs Right, so here, this leads on to to an issue that I've that I've discovered with it myself that I've I haven't really been sure how to deal with. I suppose I should lead off with a question here. All these packages, when you incorporate them into your website, are they are they designed to just be standalone and not tampered with? Yes, is the idea that you don't. Yeah, touch the, the idea is because. The idea is that they really don't exist for you to play around with. They're not really, they're never really uh, cloaked. They're not, they're not copied into your version control system and stuff. They're not yours. They're theirs. And what they, the idea is, you literally just define what version you want of that, and you can go down to dot releases and stuff and point releases. So you could be really specific. I want one point two dot four or something. And yeah, and because what happens is, is the idea then is that you don't include you, you get ignore in a version control sense, or you just ignore the the vendor directory when you upload. And then the yeah. idea is on your server, then you download the stuff again. Because that obviously leads on to a problem that I believe loads of people have. Like if they update packages, 
that can sometimes break things that are in their website, like if certain things have changed or whatever. Yes, yeah, so, so that, that's even when you do. Like, that's it, yeah. Yeah, because you stuff. can check. Cause, so the idea then is that you'll just use the version. So you wouldn't say, like, I would get the latest version. You want the stable release. So you can say, you I want can, the stable release. You can release. specify that, can't yeah. you, in your You JPEG. can say, I want, you know, the latest, greatest, uh, or I want the stable release, or I want this version, because they tag them with just versions. And, say, oh, okay. I want this and a nice thing also is the fact that you can also separate between development and production. So in production, you don't really want the PHP unit, you know, all the development, the mocking frameworks, etc. So you can say, when I'm in a development environment, such as on your local machine or in a vagrant instance, you can just download and install and have all of those packages with PHP unit. But when it goes up to the real site, you may do like a push up to the real site and then you do a, a git, um, a, what is it, like a git, uh, oh God. A git, you know, like after what is it called? The git script. Oh, I've completely gone blank now. After what? after you do you do you do a command after a git hook, git hook. So you then do a git hook <laughs> that then will do a composer update or a composer install, only an update, which then will update all the repository based on your composer file that you've got. Yeah. Okay. So here come here comes my issue then that that I that I have yet to resolve. Um, one of the packages that I've used for for the site I've been working on at the moment is DOM PDF. Okay. We've discussed, P- you know, the fact that I had to make PDFs and stuff um, for the site, and I found this lovely, uh, this lovely library, and, and went via Packagist and found one for DOM PDF, which was nice, and uh, and I've put it in there. But the problem with that is that there's a there's config files inside of it which I've had to tweak, and um, and I've also I've had to install fonts into there and stuff like that to get the uh, ah, the font yes. that I'm using and stuff. So, you know, where do I where do I go from there then? Is it a, a first of all, is there a way that I can get Composer to ignore that directory, or uh, so? How would you how would you have gone around I, that one? Hmm, that's a good one. I mean, is there a way of because you could do it in your own Bootstrap file? Where is there a way of specifying where where fault where fonts are within the actual? You know, when you make an instance of a PDF, then you can say, oh, by the way, the fonts are here. Not they don't have to be tucked away inside the actual directory itself. Can you specify another directory? Um, you possibly could, but I mean, there's it's all kind of um, in the main config file. That oh, no, can, can, you, actually, can, you, can you set it up with the instance, not having to use their config files? Can you say create an instance and then set? Because I don't know, maybe their API has the ability to say setting it. Because what you could then do is make very much like the inversion of control, but really just a, a function in the simplest sense, which creates an instance of you know P, um, DOM PDF, sets up all the stuff that you want it to be boilerplate stuff inside your own code base so it still doesn't touch their code base and maybe their your font directory is actually stored in your public directory or so you know where you've actually got your stuff for that only one one individual project and that way it then allows you to not have to tamper with their configs if they have if they do make it so you have to always tamper their configs that's a very bad port to composer because as you say you are tampering and the only other way then would be either to fork it and then have to deal with updating it yourself yeah or yeah, I mean that's a really bad way of doing it. I suppose they may have a look if they're in their API if they have the ability to on an instance, on an instance by instance basis, set these configs yourself, and then you'll be able to just do it inside your own code base, isolated. But you, you'd probably would you still need a way from inside the the repository itself to to kind of pick up that that outside file or uh, no? Because what so what you would do so so the idea I think what they normally do in these things is they provide you with instance say oh yeah. We'll include all the stuff in your config, just, you know, your base config that maybe .php file that they have, which is similar to what we were, you know, talking about, which is the return type thing. And also there's ability to override it in instances and say, oh, also add this font path maybe 
inside the instance where you create the new DOM PDF. Yeah, what the new object. New yeah. object and by an object and object basis. And you could then abstract that and then put that into its own function and you know make that kind of dependency injection thing where it injects all this stuff, you know, saying it has to do these things before I return that object. And that way, it does seem a bit overboard in the sense, you know, you're doing a lot more work, but then it's also isolating it because then you know for a fact that you're well, it, not touching their project that you don't want to touch. I, I guess it kind of fixes the issue, but doesn't address the problem, does it? Um, it's, it's because the, uh, the problem with it is, is that they've done a bad, really a bad port, like a bad port of it. I mean, because that's the thing, a lot of people are just porting stuff that they've made before because the only... The, the, yeah, it is, it's hard to say because the configs and stuff, you know, they are specific to certain, every project has their own way of doing configs. I mean, like Laravel, you have to start off with this Laravel bootstrap, uh, like a skeleton, uh, you know, like type thing because it needs all the stuff to set up the configs for it to load up its own repositories of composers and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think maybe the, the, the ideal thing would be if they could just say in their thing, you know, create an instance with this config and you're able to supply a config specific you know for that instance and that way yeah i mean have a check and see if their api does that because but it could be again this is the trouble because people just port things and it's this whole idea of oh there's a brand new shiny framework let's make or let's not even make something let's just make a version that works with this and you know like don pdf they've made versions with laravel they made versions that work with code and now they're making a version that's composified and when you composify something in quotes you know you really have to care about because now that's going to be used in a lot of other projects because of all these frameworks now from zen to symphony to uh, cake php i think is doing it Yee's now going to be using composer so you know a lot of effort and work is going into using composer as the standard way of dependency management and it's the right way to do it and it's kind of yeah as you say like the limitations of well you know the configs that were in there i can't use them i'm gonna to have to go outside and kind of work around it but the ability to then say well it doesn't matter what version i'm you know i can just download that again is a great great thing yeah, but so there definitely isn't anything you can do in your composer.json to no, just there, there's every time you compose or update to ignore it. That's it, there's no. nothing. Well, uh, composer update to ignore. I suppose you like could. Like a composer ignore. That, uh, something like that. Ignore, would be so you mean, you mean don't actually include that library that you've already got in there? So, so yeah, so basically, so I'd composer install it in the first instance to get the package actually into my project. But then, if I if like in this case, I've had to make some changes to those files. Ah, right. But, could, but, I, but I now yeah. want to. I now want to. Oh, I now want to put some new packages in. But I, I don't yeah. want anything to change in so, that one. So that what I've you got could there. do is you could you could keep it in the vendor directory, or yeah. actually, in fact, what you probably could do is a bit naughty. You could yeah, keep it. Don't keep it in the vendor directory. You could move it <laughs> out. Of, you could move it out of the vendor directory and have your own version of it now. Remove it from your composer file, but you can then also just do the auto load. So you can actually do an auto load saying, you know, like in Laravel, you can say auto load all my models. You can say auto load this. So it will still use the, the actual composer thing, but you could then have to get check that in. So you're going to have to check that in and have that code now belongs to you instead of theirs. But I would go down the route of creating, seeing if you can do it on an instance by instance thing. And then maybe doing like an IOC thing where now to return an, in, an object instance. See if that okay. helps at all. Yeah. All right. I'll have to give that a bash, I think. A bash. So- ah. That's a good segue, sir. What <laughs> well, a segue! I was just going to um, have a quick look over um, over the email. We got a nice email in from a guy last week, didn't we? Yeah, um, could, which go, I've got. Really sorry, but can I just quickly before we do that, just go yeah. through some links I've got before I forget them? Oh, of course. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah. Go so, so one link I've got that I really—I don't know if you've been on before—is Uh No, haven't heard right, of it. Right. Well, I'll send it to you in Skype. Just have a quick look. Um, 
me and me we were on Skype on Saturday, uh, meant to be doing some work he was, and I was just sending him stuff on here. And this is literally just like present. It, it's it's like show and tell of awesome stuff these people can do using CSS, JavaScript, and HTML5. Oh, nice. Uh, and it's amazing stuff, and it makes you think. It shows you the, the divide between now that, you know, in a couple of years, you won't be able to say you're just a, a web developer. You'll have to say, I'm a web, you know, front-end developer. I'm a back-end developer specializing in these things. Because the, the skills that these people have to be able to firstly even design something like this. I mean, someone else could design this, but to code this itself, you know, you're going to need to know all the CSS3 stuff. You're going to need to use the HTML5 stuff. So, you know, it, it shows you that there's so many fields inside of this web game now that you can go into, which is quite exciting. This is fantastic. It's very cool, and uh, you get some cool ideas on there, can't you? You can, and I mean the code and the great thing they they got it perfectly done. Where literally you view the example, you view their source, and it's all the source, all uncompressed. You can see, so they know for a fact that you're going to want to look at the source and see it. You know, have a good old you know little gander at it to enjoy it and stuff, which is you know a great thing. Um, yeah. And secondly, is I wanted to make some gifts. Um, I, I just wanted to make some gifts. For, uh, there was like a funny little video that I wanted to put make into a gift format, and um, I was looking what online. Did you use, what did you use to make? Oh, this will probably uh, get onto. Yeah, it. Yeah, so the next thing is gift pocket, and it's a typical Mac app where it's just beautiful uh, website and then also the application. Because if you go to the website, it's such a simple, sexy website, and then also the actual application itself is just yeah, exactly the same as the website where it's so simple. You drag the, the video you want on, you say what quality you want, and it does it all for you. And it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, this is what an app should be, nice and simple. Um, and finally, sorry about this, finally is Code Kit. Now, uh, we did, Fraser's big yeah, stuff. Yeah, he has indeed, but there's a new version out. Is this something this is something you use in the browser, is it? Uh, no, this is so this is outside the browser and it, it, it allows you to have a GUI interface to stuff like, you know, your coffee script, your SAS, your you know, your stylus, you know, your Jade, your markdown, blah blah blah, and compressing and stuff. But there's version two now out, and I haven't had a chance to play it, but but it looks very, very good. Uh, the guy on it's updated it a lot, made a lot new of new cool stuff on with it. Uh, the one thing that very, that very you know, uh, interests me a lot is the Bower support. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Bower. That's um, is that another kind of package manager, is, or, or is it a of, workflow thingy for uh, JavaScript workflow or package manager so thing? So it, it's a dependency manager for That's the front end. Which right. is about time because again we're doing this all in the front. Like jQuery and bits and bobs. Yeah, jQuery or the plugin stuff. No copy. I mean, how many times do you still copy and paste plugins into a directory and use that? You know, it, we shouldn't have to do that. It should again still be. It should be Git unified and everything should be a package. Where my thing and Bow is uh, produced by Twitter and this provides a very nice front end to it, which allows you then. It, it says on their website, you know, install over six thousand components with a single click. You know, from Bootstrap to jQuery to Zurb Foundation. Uh, so it literally allows you then to install these things, you know, using a package manager instead, which then allows you to produce a file that then you can simply just, you know, when you're on the server, install that way. And it, it gives it give, gets you give, gives you a, you know, it gives you the ability to update. Cause I'm, I don't know if you're like me. I mean, I thought, you know, I'm using still jQuery 1.7 on some sites because I haven't bothered to update it. Maybe I should. Do you know what I mean? And it would be easier if I had this ability to say, oh, Whack it up, you know, download now the latest version of thing. Because I've got, you know, my version that I've just copied when I downloaded it that first time, Bower allows you to do it, you know, actually using a package manager, which is what we do in the front end, back end all the time, but now in the front end too. Cool. So are you recommend, is this recommended over using CDNs then? Or, oh, no, no, no. So, or so, instead so, of? Or? Um, well, it's hard because CDNs, I mean, CDNs for stuff like, you know, uh, jQuery and stuff's great. But for, for and if you can't really find, I mean, I typically only use a CDN for... 
um, you know, jQuery and maybe Bootstrap. But yeah. to be honest, it, I, I, I use it just for that, you know, stuff that's specific to your site. I mean, you should always actually have it front. I mean, I, I, as a, I, so I think I, I thought I did an article a couple of weeks ago where have it all in, in, you know, locally, because if you're developing and stuff, you need it locally. And then it's at the front end where you then say, oh, try and get this version of the CDN. You know, if it's that the CDN's got it, else use my use my local copy instead. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much all the picks I've got for this week. Uh, how about yourself then, Lee? Um, I haven't come across any picks per se because I, I haven't, um, kind of been needing to do anything like that. Uh, one, one kind of thing that I've been, I've been messing around with a few new ideas this week, um, in sort of PHP things that I haven't necessarily used before, like, um, a few error bits, like error reporting, setting up error logs and stuff. Yeah, because um, I think we, we spoke about that last week, actually. Yeah, I, well, the thing is, I mean, I, I was going to talk a bit about that tonight, but we've got... Um, an email here from this guy, um, Sammy Leitinen from Finland. We got, that's so cool to get an email in from Finland. I know. We, I can't thank believe. You. I, I want to say yeah, thank you to all the feedback we've got, and it's all been positive, and it's all awesome. And I can't believe people actually listen to us. And if we help anyone, that's great. And yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, to, just to read a little bit of his email. He's, first of all, as a humble listener, a big fan of the show, I demand Ed's minus points from episode. Yeah. 30. Oh, it was episode thirteen. Oh, yeah, you were right. But so uh, yeah, so you get your bonus points back, Ed. And uh, and then it says, secondly, you guys have asked for ideas and suggestions for future shows. So one that I one that's probably worth some discussion is exceptions in OOP and general error handling. So um, I've good news for you there. I mean, that's something that um, I'd quite like to take under my wing. Certainly, um, maybe do a whole show on that in a couple of weeks' time. You know, I've started. I've had to implement some new stuff that I haven't done before anyway. But um, I've been doing a lot of research on this area. So uh, hopefully, like in a couple of weeks, we can put I can put a pretty nice show together on that stuff because it's it's in, it's surprising how interesting and the subject error handling is actually, and there's so many different ways of doing it. Well, I'm sure I don't know if you're like me, but um, I deal with errors a lot during the day. Uh, <laughs> more errors than I Absolutely. do actually working code. So yeah, it's good to get you know an understanding, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to penciling that in and yeah, yes. getting a getting a show under our belt on that. That'd be awesome. So, yeah, so I'm not going to say anything about that. At the moment, but yeah, I mean, we'll have to uh, wait and see the, the show. I think we'll probably do our framework one next, and then maybe just chat with the designer. But certainly that. within say, the next yeah, two or three don't shows, say, I would, uh, we'll, we'll do it in the near future. We always yeah. need to fail. Anything we big up, we, we, you know, we plan seems to go to pot. So the, the funny thing that we, we, when we get asked, um, when we ask for suggestions, and then we get suggestions in. The suggestions are always great, but they're not kind of stuff that you can answer quickly. And it's you know, it's quite cool. Like you know, they've taken the time out to. To, you know, to uh, to mention these things they want to hear about, so it's only fair that we, you know, try and put oh, together absolutely. a full on show great. for them. Absolutely. So yeah, so hopefully, you know, that'll all be fine. But yeah, other than that, I, um, I've what have I been learning about? I've um, I've been doing a few more tutorials, uh, ironically, about command line stuff. We've had hey. um, a guy. Did you have Mark. a bash at that? <laughs> I did. I had a bat. I it really brought me out of my shell. Did you see the seashell? I can't remember that. Oh, what is that? The seashell seashell yeah yeah she, she sells she shells at the she shop. Okay, yeah we're gonna ignore that one yeah you're gonna cut that one out i would have thought no <laughs> never um yeah so i mean I, i'm trying to kind of implement this whole thing at the moment where um i'm i've terrible habit of taking my work home with me and and kind of doing stuff the developer the developer they, bug, isn't it and uh, and what that does is although it obviously keeps your workflow going well it, it kind of puts a halt on learning new things so Literally from this week, I've been trying to um, turn a new turn over a new leaf on that. So I've started uh, looking at a few new PHP things that I hadn't really been looking at before, like um, 
like exceptions, funnily enough, that's something I'd already started looking at before we'd got the email. So, I mean, that's a, an interesting subject, as we say, uh, dependency injection and stuff like that. That's another term that I'd had banded around, but I'd never really examined it. I thought a dependency injection was, again, to do with things like using Packagist and Composer and stuff, but it's uh, it's just essentially making uh, using your classes more effectively, isn't it? it yeah, it's, it literally is injecting the dependencies that your classes require, so you don't, you don't have this, because it's the idea of uh, the OO principle of, Loose coupling and, and high cohesion. Uh, loose coupling meaning you know these things aren't coupled together, and high cohesion meaning the stuff that's in these classes is only relevant to those classes. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's an interesting issue, but no, I mean I haven't I haven't got anything new from that point of view. Um, but I'm going to hopefully from the, from uh, this is probably the part of the show I always contribute to least, and you guys come up with all these new exciting things that you found. So uh, I want to kind of uh, jump I don't know on. if that I don't know whether that means with us sad i think it makes us more sad though you know it's like you actually probably do more work during the day if we were able to find all these things it, it's one i'll of go the, with that just go with that that would be the yeah uh, you know. one of the one of the biggest things like as a, as a developer is trying to trying to allocate time effectively isn't it and you know what am i doing when when am i working especially if you've got more than one site on the go how do you uh you know, manage your time to make sure you're working on, you know, allocating a good amount of time to this, this, and, you know, working through your to-do list rather than staying focused on one thing and then you get a list of other things piling up. And it's, uh, you know, time management is a very important part of it, I think. So, yeah, I mean, there's a whole, like, did, I don't know, if, a couple of years ago, there was this big thing, Merlin Man. I don't know, if, uh, 43 Folders guy? Merlin Man, do you know? Uh, M-A-N-N yeah. like me, but he, he's not, not related anyway, but he... Uh, Oh, yeah, Merlin Man. Merlin Man. Merlin yeah. Man. Um, he's a very cool guy. He, he, he dealt with like these problems like Back to Work is a podcast on the 5 by 5 network and it's really good. And um, and he with the idea of uh, GTD, which is get things done. And there's like this this philosophy, you know, getting these things done and allocating time well and everything. I always seem to fail miserably at it, though, because I, as I, say, I, I, you know, I go off on a tangent work, you know, I mean, you have a problem. You're going to be up there until, you know, one or two in the morning. Actually, screw that. Probably, the, you know, early morning in my case with the freelance stuff, trying to solve it because, you you know, you just want to get it done. And time just disappears. Time becomes irrelevant. Oh, it does. It really does. Especially if working freelance, I find it's worse because obviously, you know, you haven't got the working day. You've got just work and that's it really yeah um, one thing one thing i have started doing is making sure I, on my lunch break i i'm getting out of the office for an hour and yeah, i'm, I'm saw walking that on three miles a day I saw that yeah. on that's cool like because you've got a little app because that's what i want to see start doing uh, but it's a blackberry app which is uh how, how are that, you enjoying your blackberry that, still that that, that, is... no, that notification should never have seen the light of day Ed. Oh, I, didn't right. even, I didn't even realize well i got i didn't even realize it was going to post to facebook this is a i've downloaded an um, app onto my uh well, it was 10 miles wasn't it you know you did 10 miles in an hour they don't know no 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 what no, are you no, doing no. what are you doing i could have oh sorry yeah big yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no it was 10 12. miles in under an hour but then suddenly i had a facebook notification with someone telling me that power walking is for girls and i was like what <laughs> And I didn't even realise that it had posted. How, how to did just, is it one, see, now that's actually bad, you know, system design, software design. You know, they should alert you, say, "Are you sure you want us to post this to Twitter or an opt-in thing instead of this opt-out type?" Yeah, well, it gave me the option to log into it using my Facebook credentials, but ah, I, sh- I guess I, I should have yeah. guessed. Well, and then what they do is they always ask when they say, "Is like, oh, give us access to everything." Even though they don't need it, it's like yeah. they're office. Like, oh yeah, we well, need to read your email. We need to read your messages. We need to read your wall posts. We need to send wolf posts. It's like that's a little scary. It's it's scary, and uh, yeah. So I, I finally uh, I switched that setting off. But yeah, I I definitely enjoy getting out, doing a bit of walking during my lunch break, just to clear the head. I was I was starting to get like headaches and stuff from just staring at my screen all day, and 
you know, and now I've, I've shaken that off and stuff. It just, it kind of, it really breaks your day up nicely. Yeah, completely so, agree there, sir. Any exercise, there, exercise sure and get away. a break. Away from the VDU. It's, yeah. VDUs aren't good for you. Neither is sitting on your behind all day. No, though it's though it's quite fun, you know, programming it. Yeah, getting out, seeing the real world, seeing RL, as they say. I mean, the first thing. Thank you again for the recommendation. You know, the uh, request. Martin, Martin Masson on Twitter. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. You know, we, yeah, we we'll definitely go for a bit of command line stuff. I mean, just a gentle introduction and stuff. I mean, yeah, the command line is quite an interesting little thing because, well, I mean, to put it put it so so, back in the day, you know, you, you didn't even have a VDU. So, you know, you would just literally have punch cards and stuff like that. So you wouldn't have any output in, in our sense, you know, being actually visually see something instantly. Then we did get text-based terminals. So you're able to have text. And now what we all see, though, is GUI and, you know, real monitors. So we can actually see, you know, pretty pictures, icons to click on and stuff. We've got our mouse, we've got our keyboard and, you know, we can drag things around. We've got our word processors that actually look like a page and stuff. But a lot of programmers, you know, we, we kind of go through this thing where, well, now the GUI, you know, you know, it is very effective in certain cases, but actually going back to the command line and using just a terminal, a text, you know, just text input is far more efficient and effective for some of the tasks that we do as programmers. Um, it's quite interesting because the, the terminology gets mixed around and stuff. I mean, what do you call your your command line? Uh, you know, when you say, oh, I'm going to open up, what would you say you'd open up? Like, I'm me, gonna... you're asking me this? Yeah, yeah. What would you, what, what do you name it? Ter- terminal. Terminal, now I'm yeah. on Mac. On the Mac, yeah. exactly. But then you've got your command prompt when you're on, you know. The, the terminology gets a bit confusing because, so a terminal window is actually what we use like on a Mac or even on actually a Windows box. And that is just a, a text window inside of our GUI. Uh, if you say a console, though, that means it's actually the entire screen is just your text. That's for like pros. I mean, if you really, well, so pros are people just maybe with service and stuff, which is, you know, you don't want to have the overhead of a GUI. You know, you don't want to have the GUI because, you know, why, you know, especially in Linux uh, servers and Unix systems and stuff, why do you need a GUI if you can just do it all from the terminal and SSH in? A lot uh, of people view it the other way around, though, don't they? They think, well, why use... <laughs> well, no, but that's a very true thing, actually, yeah, yeah. because there's a, there is some overhead to learning this stuff, and, and but it pays off. It really does. And, it does, absolutely. And I mean, like, the Windows world still has, like, remote desktop, and, you know, with Windows Server and stuff, you still have the graphical user interface, which, you know, is great for, you know... It really is great, but I still think the command line is better. And there are a lot of things that the command line can do. You know, performing tasks that might be difficult or impossible on the GUI, you can do in a in a couple of commands using you know our actual command line. It it really it really does speed up workflow definitely Absolutely. once you once you get the hang of it. Uh, it's it's something that I I used to shy away from in my early days thinking oh you know uh, command line stuff is for uh, is for the super advanced guys and all you know the high tech programmers that use dos and all that stuff but it's not i mean it, all it all it, all essentially i use it for uh, is to speed up working with my files Absolutely. i mean well it's funny because you say like dos you know so you've got you've got the linux world and the unix world then you've got the ms dos world uh, superficially they look quite similar but actually the windows world of the command prompt is very different to what we see as unix users um, our, the Linux world, the Unix world uh, system command prompt is much more powerful than, than they're not going to like me saying it's than the Windows world. Um, the Windows world one isn't at that powerful, though you can use stuff like PowerShell to make it a bit more. And, and there's one thing I, because I, we, when we were back in through uh, you know, our old workplace and stuff, uh, there was one thing I used because I was so used to now the Unix system and the Unix philosophy and the ways. There's something called Sigwin. I don't know if yeah. you heard of Sigwin, and that kind yeah. of gives you the ability to use. They've literally compiled, um, you know, the actual applications that you've used in the Unix world and provided you a a environment to be able to use 
your system as if it was like a Unix system, which saved me so much time, allowed me to use it like I would on my Mac. And I definitely recommend if you're in a Windows environment and you want to get, well, you want to get, a, actually it's very good to just get a feel for maybe your server and stuff, which is most likely going to be Linux and stuff, is to actually install Sigwin. And we'll put a note, show note in the show notes. And it's, you know, it's, there's a nice installer. You can install the packages with it throughout the installer. Say, I want SSH access, blah, blah, blah. I want LS and all this stuff, you know, listing files. And you can get around, you know, the ability to not actually have to use Linux, but use the actual commands that you would then need to use inside of your server, but actually on your local desktop. Yeah, I mean, if if you're one of those developers that using more than one machine or operating system, try and try and get something on each computer that kind of works in the same way. Well, that's I mean, and that actually then pulls onto the fact of dot files. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got that. I've got like um, a list of various things. I've got that down at number eight at the moment. Uh, bash. Well, you mean like about your bash profile and stuff uh, like that? Well, yeah. So your dot files. So so. It, dot files are one of those things where they become because everyone, a lot of people become more emphasised now, and you know, on the in inside of playing around with the command line and stuff and configuring it. Every, because we're geeks, we love configuring stuff. We love making it personal and everything. You know, our, like our, our profile command prompt looks like what our you know what our font we use, etc., and all this, and what our aliases are and functions. So dot files are actually dot files. So. The idea is a dot file is really just a configuration file. Uh, the, the name dot file comes from the fact that there's a dot and the, the pre, it, it's prefixed with a dot, which in the Unix world means it's hidden. It's a hidden file, and it's typically in your home directory that they're stored. And when you load up a shell instance, uh, it, or you know, because there's different types of shells, so there's you know, we'll go into that a little later on. But you know, so you open up your instance, it will load up these configuration files. And it, you know you can load up and add some aliases, and aliases are, t- are just like names for certain other commands and stuff, like references, like you know this variable runs this, you know stuff, uh, you know, and then you can also add, you know, like maybe I want a couple of extra functions because the lang- the actual shell, a shell itself um, inside of because ba- batch files, which are very in the Windows world, but shell and bash files and stuff inside or shell scripts inside of the uh, Linux world is a language in itself. Uh, it is just a very, it's a very similar language to what you'll find in PHP in a sense, you know, with is, while, blocks, you know, etc. Uh, but it's very Unix philosophy where each thing does one thing and you, you, you kind of compose them together. Cool. Cool, cool. Should we kind of, I've got a couple, of, like a, a kind of a prompt list to kind of discuss things. To, yeah, go for it, man. So the first thing I wrote, I've written down here is like, to anyone saying like, why would I want to use that over a GUI? I mean, we've kind of touched over it already. I mean, for me, the... The main reason is literally well two twofold. Well, actually, no, the main reason is is the speed of things. You know, for example, like um, like people using FTP to transfer files from a local to a remote server. You know, if you you can you can do that via SSH, which you know you can connect to to an actual online. Uh, terminal. I don't know what's it called online. It's just kind of It's just secure shell. So it, the idea <laughs> is that yeah, you're logging, shell. you're logging into the shell, the actual terminal on that machine, similar to RDP in the Windows world, where they give you a GUI back. You just you're just getting a terminal back. And yeah. and another thing, I suppose, yeah, definitely with the so it's you know it makes things quicker. It's also it allows you to script things. So I know you can script things, macros and stuff, you know, clicking on buttons and everything. But it allows you to say, well, I've got this task maybe because there's one very good example we've got is the fact that um, on our site, you know, we get the stats and stuff, and the stats are is really just a command prompt thing saying, you know get the file, sort all the IP addresses out, filter them, etc., etc., And all that is is on the shell script, and it's just a script that's run every 15 minutes. 
And that's been programmed, you know, it's not actually using GUI applications, opening them up and doing it that way, which firstly may seem quicker because, you know, you're understanding it that way. You're not having to look at all the configuration options and prompt, you know, flags and stuff. But when you actually are able then to program these things using, you know, command prompts and uh, using this the shell and actually those command line applications, it allows you to, you know, it allows you to be more effective, quicker, and it saves on time and it's so much easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think it's I think it's brilliant using it. Um, to be honest, the the, re- the main reason I started learning it is when I I wanted to learn Git. I mean, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's probably a very you know that goes hand in hand very well. Like if you wanna if you wanna le- learn to use the command line, you wanna learn how to use Git and use the two together. There's some uh, some brilliant tutorials out there. Yeah, because Git, um, Git's made by the so yeah, it's very command line centric, and there are GUIs for it. But yeah, as you say, like it's very emphasised on being, especially on GitHub and stuff, to going to the terminal. It just get yeah, it gets you in the habit of using it, doesn't it? I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've looked at Tara and I've looked at various GUI things for Git, and I, I didn't really like them. I know that might sound weird, but you know, there's only really a handful of commands that you use on Git, and once you get to know what they are. Then, then you end up using the command line anyway. I mean, this comes back to like the aliases thing that Ed was saying. Like some some kind of uh, terminal scripts, you know, or commands can can get very long, but you can condense them down into an alias. So you could just say, um, I don't know, like if you want to cd like cd change directory into a long directory. You know, it's got a it's a long path to whichever directory you're trying to get into. You know, you could your projects uh, folder. I normally have a projects folder. You know, yeah, you yeah. want to get quickly into that project folder. Exactly. So you could set up an alias, which literally you say alias uh, projects or something like that, and uh, and then you would just put equals and then and then put your actual shell command like cd, and then uh, the path to your directory and stuff like that. It's uh, it's so much quicker, so so much quicker. And, and it's a, I mean, as you're saying, like with Git, yeah, because I'm very much now. Uh, I use the command line a lot for Git, but there are a couple of things I still use for a GUI, which. Again, GUIs have their place. It's stuff like uh, merge conflicts and stuff like that, seeing differences in files. Sometimes yeah. it's a bit intimidating seeing it just text-based. It's nice to have a GUI come up saying, oh, look, this is what it visually looks like. So, you know, it, it's using both for their strengths, you know. It, a lot of people will just say, no, I'm using the terminal all the time, the command prompt all the time. But it's kind of weighing out. Well, I prefer using, I mean, there are web browsers that are just in the terminal, like Links, which is just a text web-based browser, which only displays things in text. Uh, but you know, obviously, we want the you know our web. You know, we want to quick you know go see p- pretty pictures and stuff. So you're going to use a GUI for that, and you know, but but stuff like Twitter, actually, Twitter you can easily use through using the command line. Uh, stuff like to do lists, to do lists are great in the command line because you're able to add them all. You know, put them in a Git repository. Actually, you know, your actual setup, and then set them around the whole. You know, all of these systems and. You know, everything has a command prompt, really, all computers and stuff, especially like Android devices, you know, even even you can actually emulate this on your um, iPhone. So, yeah, it's quite cool. I think um, possibly SQL. Is, I, I, I try and stay away from doing any SQL stuff on the terminal. I like to use um, like SQL Pro and GUIs for that kind of thing. Cause you yeah, can, it is good to see like that visual yeah, representation of what the actual relationships and stuff are. I, I probably, I mean, I'd probably actively discourage using SQL in the in the terminal in the command prompt. I don't know. I don't know whether you'd agree with that. Um, I kind of, yeah, and no. I mean, like, it depends on what you're doing because, like, I, I kind of liked it because because I was I, I, for a year I pretty much had to use. Well, I kind of learned SQL and just in the terminal and stuff. I've kind of become familiar with it quite a bit. Yeah, and um, but yeah, there's a lot of repetitive code and stuff you have to do. But I, I definitely say designing 
um, schemas and stuff, even though you should be doing it on paper first. But then when you do, it's nice to have a GUI, you know, like Navicat and stuff, to be able to visually see what's going on there. Well, that's the good because you can still use all those commands, but you can actually use them inside of there. So you're not actually. I guess technically doing anything massively different, but you just, that's it, I don't yeah. know, the, it's just the, the feedback's yeah, a lot nicer. It. And I suppose that's another thing, actually, because everything you can do in the term, well, you know, all these things can really be mirrored, you know, it's like, well, I'm copying a file, you know, using a GUI. Well, actually, in the background, it's doing the same thing as what copying on the ter- terminal would have done, and vice yeah, versa. Exactly. Yeah, um, SSH again, you know, we touched on that. That's um, that's something that I've I've developed in confidence with more and more recently. It's something that used to terrify the... A living daylight cell. I mean, in fact, you you had a pretty, pretty bad experience. <laughs> well, yeah, remove. Well, just, it shows it just shows how how you know how you need to be careful. Well, that's the but terminal. Was it, that's how was powerful it that you did? the ter- yeah. So the, the the terminal is very powerful, and um, we had a development box in our old work, and uh, I was SSH in. I mean, it could have happened just locally as well, but yeah, you, yeah. Um, just locally on my machine. But I removed star, which means, and also I forcefully and recursively did it, which means I removed everything from a folder. Now I thought I was in a another folder i thought i was in a, a child folder but i wasn't i was in the root of all our development sites fortunately we had backups uh but yeah and um yeah because of i mean in a literally probably was it six characters i removed everything and in a linux world you don't have a recycle bin um so you know like in the gui and stuff these will provide you with these nice recycle bins and stuff so they were gone and but luckily we had backups and stuff but yeah it, it shows you the power of using the t- command line for good and evil yeah, and I mean, shit dumb, which is what I did. This this probably goes to show that maybe um, maybe stay away from SSH until you're confident just working locally with things. Well, I suppose yeah, just 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 practicing on your local box because if you've got Sigwin loaded up, if you've got you know just your Mac box, you know, just go locally and start playing around trying to list files, you know, sorting files and stuff. There's loads of YouTube videos and stuff, and there's loads of stuff on like NetTuts and stuff, Tutes Plus and etc. for this. So yeah, there's a lot of good material out there for it. There's a hell of a lot of good material, but just to give one one good example of something something that I use SSH for, which is definitely useful. Say you want to, um, like a, like a where I work, we we use a lot of sites that um, that run off um, the e, the e, the ye yeah, yeah. Try and say that the ye framework. The ye framework. You love ye. Yeah, um, but alongside every time you you um, you use it, you have like a main framework directory. So. Um, Rather than having to manually upload all of those every single time and just like drag and dropping them via FTP, what I've done is I've just I've written out a command that I use. I I use SSH to get onto our server, and then I just literally use this copy command inside of the SSH server to copy the framework from an, from another place where we already use it to where I need it. And it's literally, I mean, it's thousands of files in there. But rather than like dragging it, like say say you only had it in one place. And and you need to get it to another place rather than like dragging a copy back to your local server and then going back like, to it, and, yep, yep. and then waiting waiting for years. You know, if it's thousands of files or something like that, because you know I've done that before. Anytime yeah, I think FTP doesn't not. I know that SSH is quite intelligent if you're using the GUIs of it because that's another thing with SSH. Actually, you can and I use this. It's called SCP, which is just a secure copy. Which is just their idea is that you have you can have a GUI. There's also a command prompt of that, but a command line application. Of it, but there's a GUI for it. But that intelligence says, "Oh, you're still on the same server. I'm going to do that." But I think with FTP, actually, you're right. Yeah, it will download it to your local machine just to upload it to the same machine again, which. And, it, and it's and it's yeah so much faster it's, it's yeah. literally uh what what was taking me you know i'd i'd literally like i'd i'd log into to an ftp account using like filezilla or something like that and i'd drag this thing into my local file and and you, you know you see like 
1,589 files and you go, oh, right, I'll go And small files are the worst. Small file, you're better off having a big zip file than small files because all the overhead of rights permissions on files and stuff. In fact, yeah. actually, you're better off just zipping it on, um, on your machine. You know. But again, is there, if you're using FTP, it's going to do the same thing where it downloads it and uploads it again. But I mean, I, I don't use, I don't know about you, FTP, I'm not really a fan of it anymore. Um, no. I think it's overhead on a server. Now, you know, if you've got S, uh, SCP and you're using that and you're using you know, the shell as, you know, secure shell and stuff. It's much better. Uh, well, get, get as well, obviously. If get, you want absolutely, to get absolutely, you know, pushing it up to their repos and stuff, putting them down, etc. Yeah, you're completely right there. Because, again, from a, from a, from a lower level, if you're at a lower level point of view, there's nothing, it can be scary transferring files, just dragging and dropping them from local to live, you know. You, absolutely. You, you're, you're constantly checking, oh, Christ, am I in the right directory yeah, here? Especially PHP, I? PHP, where it's, you know, you're not, you know, you're running whatever that, you know, the new file, it gets picked up immediately, as long as it's not cached and stuff, so... <laughs> You can bugger up the index.php file and the front yeah, end exactly. of the file is just say go that. on there. Most directories have got an index.php file and, yeah, it's a whole world of pain. But when you when you get in the habit of using something like Git, you're literally, uh, it's kind of all that worry is taken out of your hands. Because exactly, it, the diff. Doing just all does the, the diff for you. And if you do break it, you revert back. Yep. Which is so, the safest uh, thing ever. Yeah, I'd, yeah, absolutely. I mean... I mean, what are the, the kind of this? There's kind of some basic commands that I guess everyone would use in the in the initial instance, there, aren't there? Like um, make directory mkdir. Yep. Yes, you've got make. Example. Yeah, you've got move mv. Uh, you've got ls, which is list. So you list uh, shows all your files. Shows all your files. You've got stuff like uh, cp, which is copy. You've got stuff like rm, which is remove, which I had a lot of experience. I mean, really, uh, there's a lot of good tutorials online for like these commands and what they do. Uh, one thing I would recommend, I think I recommended last time with the PHP manual, is man pages, which is the manual pages. So yeah, if, you, yeah. if you are confused, go into the terminal and just type man, M-A-N, space, and then the command that you want, like ls. And it will come up in the terminal with uh, just a pager, which is just literally all the, the commands, you know, the command documentation. And there's a lot, for all the popular commands, there's a very good documentation. It shows you all the information you can do. But if you do prefer a guide and stuff, YouTube videos, there's many of them. And uh, there's there's a lot of uh, them because uh, Linux, there's like lots of Linux certifications for like uh, DevOps people and stuff, DevOps people. So a lot of people online put on these Linux certifications. So if you search for in YouTube, like Linux certifications, you can see people have actually put online these like tutorials for how to learn the uh, terminal well and you know all these commands yeah definitely definitely one one other thing that a term you you, you hear banded around um quite a lot is you watch tutorials and they say oh before you do this tutorial you'll need this so download it and then add it to your path oh good and yes. quite often well, yeah yes people are going true. like what, what the hell's the path aren't they um, absolutely sir absolutely and, like um like even just a path to whichever PHP file you're using, you know, little things like that are complicated. Yeah. Um, I mean what, so what is the path, sir? The path it goes in your bash profile. Uh well from my experience it does anyway. Yeah. So yep. basically that's it's um it's a line of code at the top of your bash profile which basically any time sometimes it gets updated dynamically actually, doesn't it? But um it it basically any time you download something that you want to use onto your computer, your computer needs to know where it's going to find it. Yep. And so, that, especially yep. if it's installed globally. So, um, so like Composer, for example, you'd install that globally, and then you you have to add it to. Um, I don't know if it goes in. Where does Composer go? It doesn't go in. So the, um, yeah, so it, it, it's a path and then you move it to your user local. It's quite because yeah. there is path. So there's path on both uh, on the Windows boxes and in the Unix world. And they both do the same thing, where essentially, as you say, they're just a, I think it's a, 
in the in the in the PHP no sorry I'm getting really confused in the Windows world it's a semicolon separated list of directories of so these are directories that any application in there is going to be globally when you open up a terminal you'll be able to access that without having to specify the full URL uh, and then there's also in the in the part in the Linux world it's just a colon space list. And you can update it. You can echo out. In fact, there's a good example. So if you go into your terminal and you type echo out, so you echo and then echo and then you do a dollar path, you'll then be able to see an output of, of what your current path is. And this is the merged one of what they've pre-provided you, you know, by default in your operating system and also stuff you, you've added to customize yourself. Um, you do this a lot. Uh, this is one of the things that that virtual M does, which is it adds and dynamically adds stuff to the path. And I do stuff like with uh, RVM, which is the Ruby virtual um, man, you know, virtual manager and stuff, version manager. You do that, and yeah, it, it can be confusing. But a, a, a typical way of being able to work out where actually an application is is to type in which. So you type which, in yeah. which, which, and then you just do a space, and then the application, and that will say where actually that file is located. Um, you get this a lot in Homebrew. Uh, brew which is the uh you know the package manager. manager yeah the package yeah. manager mac there's all these package managers uh, and that uses the idea of you know they self-contained each individual of these applications and then they just add them in the path which then they use these versions uh, instead of like in the case of like you know i've got my php version it's still available to me uh which is provided by mac the mac os x itself but then i've got a version of php that is the version i use 5.5 that is just because it's in my path php the actual directory um it's, it's overrided saying look you're going to look in here for the php thing it opens it says oh, i've already got php i don't need to use the version that you know that they're already available on the mac os x yeah yeah so it's a complex old subject, command line. It is. It? Is so I mean, it's good. I think the best thing we could probably get from it is that don't be scared of it. You know, just um, just get your hands dirty. Yeah, just, play, just literally. Best thing you could do is just to play around. You know, make a directory, add a couple of files. Uh, you know, maybe even in GUI you may do it, or you could use the command touch. You know, touch and then the name like hello. Uh, you know, play around, add a couple of directories, remove the directories. You know, and and maybe copy the files, move the files. You know, and stuff. And it really is just playing around with it and. Yeah, just getting that feel for it because once you start getting the feel for it, you'll you'll actually you'll go to the command line more often than than you will like the GUI. I know it doesn't sound believable. I didn't believe this because I was very much a GUI guy with the Windows world. But you go into the command line and you will become you know obsessed with it because you'll feel more home with it because you so many different operating systems use the same Linux you know Unix style app, you know app, uh, commands and the philosophy. That you know, going to another operating system, you're like, oh, I don't care about what GUI you're using, as long as I've got it to my online, I'm fine. Exactly. I mean, to to give some idea of of how of how quick the workflow is or something, just to just to literally be like, all oh, right, I just need to set up a basic structure for a new website that I'm doing. You could literally open up your terminal, um, and then maybe like the first thing you do, a command that I use quite a lot is PWD, Present Working Directory, yeah, and then that will tell that will tell you where you are at the moment, and then say like for a Mac. Um, I need to get into my HT Docs folder. So here, shall I, shall I literally just do a quick walkthrough? Go for it, yeah. It'll come out online. So yeah, so it's telling me I'm in my home directory at the moment. So what I need to do is I need to change directories into my app, into my HT Docs directory. So the path to that. So all I'm literally doing is I'm typing cd forward slash applications forward slash again. MAMP in capital letters because this is the path and what you'll actually find if you start typing in like the first few letters of any given um, 
path that you're in it should it it actually guesses the rest of it for you so like i typed in ma there and it guessed the rest of mamp as well so yeah if you, if you press tab isn't it if you press tab it will try tab. it or to complete it exactly so yeah so i've got cd forward slash applications forward slash mamp forward slash ht docs bang enter i'm now in my ht docs folder and then all i would literally do from there so I'm going to make a directory. So I'm going to say mkdir. That's the make directory function. And then we just give it a name. So we say new website. I'm disappointed you didn't say cheese. I am disappointed. Oh, terribly sorry about oh. that. Well, I'll tell you what, Ed. Shall I, shall I remove that <laughs> yes, one? Yes, please we'll do. Please one. do. Okay. I like this. So all I'm going to do there, and I've, no, I've now made this directory that I need to get rid of. I'm going to use rm and then just literally type in the name of my directory, which was new website. Fish bash bosh delete out the fact that I just said bish bash bosh I've never said that in my life and uh, and now that's gone so it has it got because you need to do rm dash r rm dash r yes I do sorry I thought you only needed to do that if it actually had files inside of it <laughs> see I'm learning as well the more you know the more you know eh? yeah okay RM. and then in there you can just like t- you can use the word touch index.html and it'll make a blank file which your index.html page and stuff like that Exactly, right, so we're back to screw on. Sorry, that took me a while to delete that for some stupid reason. Right, so I'm going to make a directory called cheese. There we go, yeah. so cheese directory has been made. So now what I need to do is I need to create some files and folders inside of that directory. So I'm now going to, I need to change directory into my cheese website. So I'm going to put cd cheese, and now I'm inside of there. So what do I need first of all? I need an index file. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to type touch index.php that will create me an index file now what do i need um i need an assets directory or um or let's even break it down beyond that no all i need is an images directory and a css directory so there you go all i'm going to do again is type mkdir css mkdir images and there we go and that's basically it so even even with a with a bit of a blunder not being able to delete all that stuff i've created a i've created a website directory with an index file and a directory called CSS and images inside of it in, I don't know, quite a short space of time. But obviously, without the mistake, it would have been quicker. <laughs> no, that sounds perfect, man. Online demonstrations always go wrong, don't they? Oh, all the time, sir. I mean, actually, it's interesting because there's because uh, again, this is the power of the actual terminal is you could. So if you're if you're in, are you in the root directory now of cheese? I am indeed. If you type mkdir, so you're going to make a directory. Yeah. You're going to do a space dash P, which means whatever I'm going to type here, I want you to create all the folders leading up to this. If you do space assets and then forward yeah. slash, yeah, and then if you do a, a curly bracket, open a curly bracket up, yeah, and you type CSS, CSS, and then maybe dash, uh, then a comma image, comma JS. So you want an asset CSS file, an image you know, folder, and you close off your curly bracket and click enter. Yeah, you should now have an assets folder, and what they've actually done is been able to uh, uh, expand it to say, I want an assets folder that has CSS. I want an assets uh, in the assets folder that has CSS, image, and JS. Yeah, All no, in one command. There you go. I've learned something tonight. That's not. So, that's <laughs> an even quicker way. So that's just an example, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you can just quickly get you know in these commands, and it's working out the flags and stuff that you can use in this because dash p then says the assets folder doesn't exist. You know, so I can't create CSS without creating an assets folder already. So they will create the assets folder, then do what we need to do. And then you can do this whole idea of curly brackets, which then allow you to quickly without having to duplicate code. It's all about making things quicker using less text typing. And, and you think about that. I mean, in that command, you did more work. You know, how much quicker is that than going to the GUI and actually creating those folders yourself? 
Yeah, all, all you're doing is you have to navigate your way through your folders anyway, whether you've Absolutely. got... Absolutely. And you can come up, and then you can write there's a command. You know, you can alias that, you can make a function out of that, you can script it, and then you're able to make this and say bootstrap, you know, or maybe, you know, boilerplate, and it will literally create these for you, you know, automatically. So, you know, make these macros, you know, that you could then... I mean, the GUI, maybe there are programs... Actually, I know there are programs that you can do GUI stuff with, but this is so much easier and scriptable and, yeah, the best way, really. Yeah, cool. I reckon we must be um, approaching time. I think I think we have. This is, probably, this is actually going to be our longest podcast, I think, which is good because... The, the funny thing is the fact that it's only two of us. Um, it's been a great podcast, though, man. It's been great talking to you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's going to be a few bits I think I want chopped out of it. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, there's a couple that we did, but I think that's all right. So anyway, no, I mean, uh, well, hopefully we'll ha- I think we'll have a full pod next week and maybe actually Justin will be on, which would be quite good. That'll be good. That'll be nice. Yeah. Um, one thing, one comment I just want to make. There's a nice guy tonight that sent me a message um, named Ashwin on Twitter. Um, he, said, he sent me a suggestion saying that he'd love to hear about building a PHP backend with an existing HTML, CMS template. So um, I replied to him, say, you know, this is an example earlier on of that's probably a show's worth, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I mean, it's really good that we've got all this and we can work through it and stuff. We will get to it all, promise, because we're we're not going away. We love doing this and we're really glad that people enjoy listening to us. So, yeah, Yeah. it's awesome. And, yeah, all have a good week. And... Uh Oh, yeah, you know. Hope, apologies if um, if it if it's been a bit less understandable tonight than normal ones. It's not it's not the easiest of jobs just, doing it. It's just, just me, two ed, just me and Lou. Me and Lou. You know, hope we've 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 done the best we can. So hopefully you've uh, you've enjoyed listening tonight. And uh, yeah, keep listening, and we'll be here next week. All right, then. See you later, guys. All the best, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to three devs and a maybe. You can contact us at contact at three devs and a maybe dot com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.